and welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, joined by DJ Mitchell. We're here to talk about the Thursday, January 25th, NHL Daily Fantasy Slate. DJ, how you doing on this fine Wednesday evening? Great. Never better. Everything's gone perfectly. Uh, I've never missed a single bet. Uh, and we're ready to move forward and uh, win more money tonight. How about you? Uh, yeah, same. I mean, win more money. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just plugging in my laptop because I forgot that I did not do that. And now you can see yeah. what I'm doing on the video, it, and it, I'm sure that's weird. Okay. Everything looked weird off the beginning, I'm not going to lie. And I, I'd rather just keep it and roll with it at this point because if you're watching, uh, you would see my face be very confused at what was going on over there. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm not going to get on my my soapbox. I'm just going to, yeah, I went five of six. I missed by one shot on goal. Uh, for the nth time, it feels like, but I was really, really lucky to get there. Like I had no business being a five of five going into Zabinajad. Uh, Tage got absolutely bailed out. Evander Kane didn't have three shots and got awarded a third that missed the net. It looked like to me. So, whatever. We move forward. Um, I'd rather be five of six than zero oh for six. I'd rather be winning money than losing money. And I am just going to keep doing what I'm doing, and when eventually I will get that last shot. Yeah, um, week so far. Yeah, it's been you know uh, last time was frustrating. I, I mean, you know, in the Discord we got credit for a fantastic pod, um, but you know it, it did not come to fruition for either of us in the DFS streets. Uh, I did not go with uh, Dallas, um, so that was pretty. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it was kind of upsetting, but mostly just frustrating. Like, oh yeah, you know, uh, had the right read and just didn't. Didn't really follow through with it. I got suckered into Sean Monahan night. Um, I, I got to say that's easily one of the worst plays I've made of the year. Just, you know, the, just trusting numbers and uh, not really using my head there. So uh, Josh Wallace sent back down to the AHL as well. So there you go. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, the head, I joined the head bashing keyboard bros uh, on this night. Um, so... With all that said, though, I had still had a decent night because I got bailed out on over on underdog. I did have a Dallas one full stack with uh, Kucherov that finished second. So, you know, made 600 on like 20 something in total entries over there. Um, so, you know, didn't quite pay for the DFS with the 432 ticket that I had entered for the qualifier. But, um, you know, can't can't really complain. So yeah, it's all good. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, massive night for process over results. I, that's all I was gonna say. For I think for both of us, like I feel like I did everything exactly correct, and it led me to Rangers or Dallas one, and I just chose wrong. You know, it just uh, yeah, uh, we we can move forward. But it, again, I, I do think very like good envisionment of the slate from us, and uh, it, hopefully it came through for you. And tonight it's gonna come through again. Happy Thursday, uh, Matt. Are you ready to do the thing? Yeah, uh, let's talk about the sponsor of this show, uh, DraftKings. So they obviously sponsor this show on the sportsbook side, but you know we mentioned last show the pick six. Um, that's something that you know if you are able to do it, please do. Um, but otherwise, besides the DFS, let's talk about the DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-878-97777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. So, uh... We do have eight games on the ledger, or sorry, nine games on the ledger right. here. Um, while I pull up the slate, do you want to start reading us through them? 
Sure. <clears throat> we have the Philadelphia Flyers at the Detroit Red Wings to start us off. Uh, a nice six and a half over under. Uh, last slate, we talked about how the Flyers Lightning was a nice over or under bet, and it went way over with Kucherov going nuclear. Um, but six and a half to start it. And again, I, I don't really love that over, but that's fine. Red Wings, a slate minus 130 favorite. We have the Islanders at the Montreal Canadiens. Um, six over under, not too surprising. Minus 155 on the Islander side. Boston is at the Ottawa Senators. Boston on a back-to-back. Um, still favorites at minus 140, six and a half over under. Arizona on a back-to-back against Tampa Bay. Tampa, pretty big favorites at minus 200. Um, it's a six over under. That's to be expected. New Jersey at Carolina. Carolina on a back-to-back. It's a six and a half over under. Carolina minus 155. Um, Devils have been you know scoring, so that's, I guess, part of that, but seems odd again, six and a half. Anaheim at Dallas. Um, this is a very big minus 310 Dallas favorite, six and a half total. So Dallas could be popular again. Who's to say? Nashville at Minnesota. Uh, basically a pick on minus 120 on the uh, Minnesota side, six over under, uh, uh, minus 110 on both sides on that one. Columbus at the Calgary Flames. Uh, this is a pretty big minus 198 Flames favorite, six and a half. And finally, I'm going to ask Matt to predict it because I don't want to just read it. We have the Chicago Blackhawks on a road back to back. I believe, right? Road back to back. Am I wrong? Um, Road back to back out in Edmonton. Matt, guess that money line. Okay. Well, Edmonton has won now 14 straight. Um, Correct. And Chicago has not. I'm going to go minus 14 straight now. Minus four eighty-seven. You didn't give Edmonton enough credit. Oh, minus six hundred. No minus six hundred. It is a two Holy and a half shit. minus one ten okay. puck line. Okay. Well, that is that is uh, psychotic. Oh, but okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, I I did not expect that six and a half total. I kind of like the under. I I honestly like. Whatever, we'll get to it. Let's get to the slate. Let's just get right into the slate, folks. Let's get you what you've been waiting for. All right, Matt, get us started with your goods. Also, you picked the wrong filter, and my thing is falling, so let me fix it. I got too excited. I genuinely have zero idea what that means. I, Dude, picked I thought you were going to talk filter. about the thing. You don't want to talk about the thing? Oh, the thing no, that's this on the one. screen. You, this filter, Custom Layout 3, is better than the one you picked, which is not this one. You picked this one. Oh, that's that's just a default. I, I didn't it. click on it. Okay, I did not click on it. That's okay. the... Uh, I, yeah. Okay. I'm going to mute myself anyway. for a second. You talk about something. I, I fixed my light. Okay, so yes, we look at the uh, matchups here on the YouTube. Uh, but basically what we're looking at is extreme Edmonton chalk. You know, not surprising. Um, and then maybe not that surprising, uh, but slightly more surprising is the Islanders in a very strong matchup uh, against Montreal. And then really surprising, we have Ottawa against Boston. And that's mostly because Ottawa has been strong with underlyings. Um, but the main premise is that Boston has just been fine defensively. And, you know, they'll be on a back-to-back here with a, a very tough matchup against uh, Carolina on Wednesday. Uh, and Ottawa will be at home. So, like, it's kind of interesting, um, this, this Ottawa matchup. Um, otherwise, I think we'll see some ownership on Tampa, um, back-to-back Arizona, and Dallas uh, taking on Anaheim. Uh, I guess Anaheim's on the road, but not on a back-to-back. So, you know, there's nine games, so I'm not expecting super low ownership across the board. Uh, but it does feel like there's, like, a few spots that it really could pile into. Um, so as long as you're not like going too outrageous in terms of playing, you know, high owned, basically one of those four teams besides Ottawa that I mentioned, uh, with another one of those four teams, you probably don't have to worry about anything as far as ownership. So, um, that's sort of the main slate overview. Um, we're not expecting any major injuries here. Uh, Rensky returns, Heiskanen's maybe back. And then we're looking at like Bo Horvat should be in because he practiced today. So I, I think we're mostly clean on the injury front. 
Uh, any other stuff you wanted to cover off the bat before we get into the first game? No, let's get into the first game. We'll we'll cover it along the way. Also, there was a brawl to start the game. Did you know that was going to happen? Because that literally just happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was so like funny. fourth lines. I, yeah, you said that. And I was like, so yeah, hockey is fun. And uh, go watch that if you like it. But we'll get started with a game that could also have some fireworks. The Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe you've heard of John Tortorella. Maybe you haven't. If you haven't, guy is angry all the time. We'll be going to Detroit. Again, Detroit. City of city of champions right now um i don't think this game's gonna be popular uh as you've already kind of alluded to i don't think it really should be all that popular but again we just talked about this last late where we're like man these two teams kind of feel stinky and the game ended up being like 10 goals so is there any is, you know are you a believer in the flyers regression that could be coming are you thinking that detroit might be under you know or is it the pricing just doesn't matter anyways, even if this game is slightly better than um, expected, it's still way overpriced. Yeah, I mean, there's really not a ton to like on the, the Flyers front or honestly the Detroit front. Um, like Larkin remains somewhat productive, but at the price, it's just, you know, eight thousand. It's just a ton to pay for a dude who you really can't bank on for um much of anything. So, I don't know. I, I don't think this game is a ton of fun. Obviously, we just saw what Kucherov did, but that feels like more of a Kucherov thing than it is a Flyers thing. So, um, yeah, I'm low-key disinterested here. If Tippett's back, maybe, but I don't think it's all that likely. Um, I guess one final thing is I'll note a few places where players are not playing because of uh presumably the hockey canada uh suspensions or you know maybe not suspensions but actual legal action um so obviously we're not going to talk about that situation in general but you know do keep an eye on some of these places because you know carter hart's not playing for instance so that's the main you know the, the main reason i think uh that i bring this up but there's some other spots on the slate where it is at least worth mentioning and worth monitoring because we're not fully confirmed on these guys but we think that they're you know we think we have the main uh culprits for now all right um i don't know yeah like i said a lot um, of nothing yeah i'm just not two. interested yeah 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 i think you said a lot of nothing as well but i'll say two notes uh number one note i have at least minor interest in philly very similar to you uh, and very much because of the potential Owen Tippett return that would definitely boost my interest but if they continue to be 11 and 7 which is expected they are giving a lot of minutes to the entire top six. And I think Detroit's actually kind of bad. Uh, Detroit, revenge narrative, Shane Goss bear, 24 minutes of ice time last time out against Dallas in a game they were trailing most of the, you know, most of the time. Is there at least, you know, are you considering him a little bit more because of that run? Um, or are you just saying who even cares? Let's move on. Um, I, th- th- it's hard to, think there's a real reason for Goss's pair to get those minutes so i'll need to be more sure on uh on how things look i I, you know like ben charat was that injury really the reason i don't know uh feels more circumstantial than anything else in that this was like a really explosive five to four game i don't think that happens here so um maybe a bit more knockdown drag out and that's you know, probably where we get to. All right, uh, let's move over to the Islanders and Montreal. Um, I, I have a lot more interest here, sure. obviously. Um, yep. The, actually, where do you want to start here? Because I feel like with Montreal at home, it is sort of defensible to go either way uh, in this matchup. Well, I, I guess if you're just going to completely ignore the biggest narrative of the night, then then we'll just ignore the biggest narrative of the night. We won't even be the Morning Skate Podcast. We'll just move on, not even mention Patrick Wall returning to Montreal as the head coach in New York. We'll just we'll just forget about it. You're right. We're, let's not remember the fact that Islanders are going to be trying extra hard tonight. Anyways, I, I kind of do like the Islanders, though. I just wanted to go on a rant there for a second. Um I'm on camera right now. The lights are shining and I'm just feeling it after being just obliterated night in and night out with um, not winning my bets. You know what happened last game, Matt? Aiden Hill stood on his head. He saved Vegas. He gave about 40 saves. Dobson, 28 minutes, like 115 shot attempts. Matt Barzell, 25 minutes. Shot attempts were there. Horvat, Nelson, Lee. Everything I said that was going to happen is happening. They are shooting. It's going to click 
one night. I am not saying you have to do it here, but the prices that were really high and they were unaffordable, in my opinion, have kind of leveled into the same spot or a little bit cheaper. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I think they're worth it now. So if Horvat's in, which I know he's, you know, day to day or whatever, I think he's probably fine. He left the game, but I, I didn't see anything to know he'd be out. But keep an eye on that, of course. Um, keep an eye on lines tomorrow. But all of this to say is like, I said, keep an eye on the Islanders, and I mean it. Like, Dobson played more than anyone on defense by a lot. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the, the minutes, you know, we, we mentioned and it certainly seemed to come to fruition with the power play time and whatnot. I mean, anytime you can get 25 bars all minutes, I think that's the clear, uh, the clear leading candidate. So leave Horvat Barzell. Very, very good. Um, I, 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 I don't know if you referenced it or not, but, uh, I said earlier that we did see Horvat's uh, practice today. So he seems fine. Um, just, uh, you know, maybe repairs yesterday or something, but he should be good to go here. So that's the clear top target. Um, their prices are, I think, reasonable. I, I do think you really want to consider Anders Lee. He's um, he's not quite, I mean, I don't know. He's, he's been really solid as, as far as his underlyings. So I'm not that worried about the fact that like, he doesn't have a point in, you know, whatever the X number of his last 10, like he's there, he's not doing a ton, but you don't need a ton at 4,100 4, to, to pay off. Um, and I think the rest of his line mates can definitely carry him in what's a really good matchup. So um, getting over to Montreal, they got, they got spanked by Ottawa. That really was, you know, kind of just listless. Um, so like I mentioned, uh, Joshua Wah or Roy got sent down. Um, so like, we're going to see some mixed up bottom lines. I, I, I just don't think uh, it's smart to go back to that. Well, like Sean Monaghan was 4,200. He's all the way up at 4,600 now. Like it's just one of those things where like, okay, you made one mistake. Don't parlay it to a secondary mistake. Um, and there's really no one else in the depth that I'm seeing is like, you know, remotely interesting. So uh, is there anything for you outside of the top line plus Matheson that stands out? You know, I, I was actually really shocked last slate at the ownership that it got. And I, you know, I don't really think it's going to follow suit here, but I do think the Islanders are playing up tempo, as I said, and, and I, I am interested in guys like Cole Hopfield who were pretty good that game. I mean, all considered like, I did end up watching a lot of that. I overstacked Ottawa, um, not to not to much success. And <clears throat> I mean, Cole Caulfield does just always look electric. He had a post, five shots on goal, and four misses. And it's because that was the only line that was really clicking. So I do think you could very easily convince me to bring it back with just Cole Caulfield and feel just fine about it. Like if you're playing, you know, uh, a stack on on the other side, like that's where the offense is going to come through. Um, and I just don't think you're gonna have enough for Madison in that scenario, but I, you know, he's also incredibly involved in a blocks guy and all that nonsense. So yeah, I, I love Caulfield and an Islander stack. I really do like that to start the slate and it's going to get you away from what's going to be absolute Uber chalk. And we'll get to that at the end. Yeah. Um, something really interesting that I don't know was mentioned and then I can't really tell if it came to fruition, but Montreal only did roster three centers and technically they listed Harvey Pinard as a center. And I swear he did play some shifts at center. Um, but honestly, I'm not really seeing much of that. Um, like I'm seeing literally a few yeah. shifts at center and maybe that's just what he is. He's a fourth line center right now. Um, but that does leave the door open to Suzuki, like double shifting, um, you know, so I don't know. I'm not overly sold on the idea that Suzuki's like this great play. Like I think he's really only in play if you're stacking him with Caulfield anyway. Um, but at least something to monitor because you know it's not often we see teams with 12 forwards deploying their lines like they only have 11, and that's basically what we saw last game uh, out of Montreal. So at least keeping an eye on Nick Suzuki. Yeah. But, you know, 5600 sure. not really that worthwhile. Um, punts on defense. I don't know. Arbor Jack guys back. Jonathan Kovacevic came back. Yeah. He scored their goal. Um, is there anything there for you? Or are you just kind of like, yeah, you know, just uh, a few 2.5K guys, but not nothing I care about? I mean, Jack, I played power play too. So, you know, at least there's something to that, in my opinion. But they both played like 15, 16 minutes. Um, it is the 
probably the most difficult combination of defensemen as a pairing in the entire slate. So that's fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you've gunned ahead, I guess Jack Eye is a, an option, but I'm not going to the bank on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Just, you know, keep in mind if you need a punt that those guys are in now because for whatever reason. All right. Uh, Boston, Ottawa. Uh, where are you looking in this spot? I mentioned off the top the fact that uh, Boston, not the best defensively as of late. So uh, any interest in going back to, say, the Brady Kachuk well? Yeah, I think I'd rather stub my toe into any door frame I could find. But honestly, I, I am interested. Like, I'm more interested in Ottawa than I am for, for Boston. Um, not by a metric ton. I, you know, it, It's kind of one of those things where the more I think about how I'd stack Ottawa, the more I think, why am I just playing all these guys when I just kind of like the Islanders a little bit more? So it's going to be tough to pivot. It kind of felt like the same thing last late with a couple different teams um, where I talked yeah, about like the Sabres versus Ottawa. And it's like, this kind of feels like the same situation where it's like, I like the Islanders a little bit more than Ottawa. They're about the same price. Yeah. It's a back to back Boston team. And it's probably, I mean, it's going to be less owned, but, but how much, right? I mean, is it going to be so much less owned that it's actually creating a lot of leverage for me? I don't think so because I don't think the Islanders are going to be all that chalky, especially in like a three-man Dobson type of scenario. So I don't think you're really gaining a ton of value by going to the Senators over the Islanders in that realm. So unless if you have a much better projectable outcome. And again, I, I agree that it's through Sanderson, it's through Brady in that peak games scenario, but I just don't know if I want to sit there and, and again, jam my toes into every door frame I can find and just be angry. Jumping on rakes. Uh, yeah. Thoughts? No. So, yeah, I mean. It's held it, down and ready to kick it. Yeah. You know, and obviously Brady burned a lot of people last late. Um, but over the last stretch, he's been Ottawa's best player by a landslide as far as their underlyings are concerned and whatnot. Um, so, you know, I, I do think you got to give it a look. I would imagine they keep Norris and uh, Giroux on his line, but um, you know, we do get some value on the second line and the third line in Ridley Gregg and Shane Pinto. Uh, Pinto's been priced up a little bit, so he doesn't show up on the point per dollar uh, projection, but he did score last late, so you know that helps. Um, and obviously on the Boston front, it's Pasternak or pretty much no one. Like, you know, if you're not building around Pasta, I'm not really sure what you're doing with uh, with Boston. So um, this is a yeah. very interesting spot. Boston with Marchand and Coyle is not that interesting, but they're in a matchup right now against Carolina, who theoretically could beat them. And if the lines go into a bit of a blender, uh, they do have some players who have been rather productive as of late. Um, you know, I don't think Trent Frederick gets in a, into the top six, you know, stop me if I'm wrong, but, uh, Danton Heinen could, and he's been surprisingly effective. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I would obviously need to look into like why he's showing up as being somewhat pr productive over the last stretch, but, um, two and a half shots a game, uh, three goals, five points in, in the last 10, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where it, keep an eye on the lines because if that sort of thing changes, then I want to be on top of it. Um, whether he's with Marsh and or Pasternak. Um, but yeah, right now, not interested in coil. Like, yeah, just <laughs> no, thank you. All right. Uh, anything else on this game? Tampa? Cool. No, no, I'm good. I'm not playing Boston, Arizona, Tampa. Um, you, before we started, like right before we started, the, the, what held us up was waiting for these Arizona lines, which, we're not exactly as we expected. Um, they're already down one to nothing uh, in Florida. So who's to say they couldn't change a little bit? But it's, you know, Schmaltz returned Bukestad Keller. Um, was, yeah, Schmaltz wasn't there last game, right? Or did he, did he come back? No, I can't even remember. Schmaltz just, just returned. Yeah, this is his first game back. Yeah. First game. I, I thought so. so. I think it's here. Um, uh, Kraus, Kerfoot, um, Vincelli, a bunch of other guys. Cooley with... Uh, Gunther and, and Zucker and, you know, the fourth line of garbage. So doesn't really make it move all that much, but they're on a the back-to-back. No one's going to play them. You know, do you have any interest in a guy like Bukestad? I guess that's really the guy that sort of like, to me, stood out a little bit, but it's not that cheap. Um, just want to kind of mention that before we go over to Tampa. 
Yeah, that's the primary issue. Uh, we, you know, we, we can't project him to get a power play role until we see it, or I guess a power play one role until we see it. And 4,300 is just a good bit to pay um, on a back-to-back for, you know, for, for this team. Uh, Arizona was rolling 11 and seven. They're now back to 12 and six after uh, Dumba got hurt. Um, if for some reason that changes, then I think Keller and whoever he's with is, is a very in play just because what we saw out of them with 11 and seven was truly Patrick Kane-esque from, you know, Patrick Kane's glory years, uh, where he was playing on two different lines at the same time. Like, um, you know, so you're getting Keller at 5,800, like that's not a great value as it stands, but if he's double shifting and you get cheap guys like Gunther and Cooley or, you know, even like Bukestad or whatever, um, like, I think that's more reasonable just because then you know that Keller's so much more likely to be quote unquote optimal if Arizona does hit. Um, so right now, not interested, but this is certainly another wait and see spot after what happens on Wednesday. I'm curious to see if Gunther stays on the power play because um, that's really been his only real role uh, that we can project now that they're not playing Keller with him and Cooley. Uh, so it's it's a little bit of a wait and see there, but 3,900 for Gunther. Um, he leads the team in shot rate. It's not really produced much over the last uh, stretch, but um yeah that's really the only thing i'm waiting on i don't think i'm gonna make it up to sean dersey and defensively i'm not sure there's enough here for me to feel good about any of these punts though if you like one obviously there's a lot of minutes to be had with uh only two guys above 3k on the arizona blue line yeah so um that's all good i didn't expect to go on that much about arizona to be honest but i guess the good news is tampa is not too difficult to cover uh yeah, it's kind of Kucherov breaks the slate or doesn't. It feels like I, I don't know if there's any other angle you're looking into. And then, you know, after you've coursed through all the data, um, but Kucherov, Stamco's point had been, it's a four headed monster. They did run 11 and seven last slate, which in retrospect, I think that's the one thing where it's like, maybe we should have been a little bit more keen on 2% Kucherov. Um, that that just feels like a mistake in large part, just being too afraid of Philadelphia, which again is just a mistake, you know, to just say like, well, I'm not going to attack this team that we no one expected to be good, you know, in, in this matchup with this elite of a player. And I was scared off of it myself. I'm not saying I wasn't like I didn't play it, obviously. Um, 98% of the field was afraid of it. And that was a mistake. Uh, I don't think it's going to be 2% here, obviously. But do you, do you have any interest in going back and putting your running shoes on and chasing down the one of the best players in the league and the Gita Kucherov. Um, I mean, this is going to be very different, I think, because there's going to be substantial ownership. Yeah. I mean, I would be shocked if there weren't. Um, so I, because I mean, it, it's not like Kucherov had ten shots last game either. So the main problem with Kucherov is is that the shot rate isn't really running through his tape. Like, or I guess, you know, the shots aren't concentrated on his stick the way that they were earlier in the season. Um, like he's still generating a lot of offense, but it's guys like Hedman and Point and Stamkos really chipping in and taking some of those shots. And that makes it much less likely to one-off Kucherov. Um, the price makes it so that it's really hard to stack around Kucherov. Like you are basically just full punting everything if uh, if you stack Tampa here. So it's it's tough. I will say there's really not a ton of ways that I can think of that I would wind up playing Tampa here. Um, but, you know, I, I obviously will concede that Kucherov could easily win the slate. It's just really hard for me to build teams around it yeah. that I like, um, that I feel win enough to make it worth it. So uh, just one guy to keep an eye on, uh, Mikey Isomont. He's a longtime favorite here. Uh, did play on that second line, you know, that still only generates 14 minutes of ice time for him. Um, but with Sorelli and Hagel, you know, there's worse punts at 2,800. Uh, he even got a schmeckle of power play time too. Um, so, you know, we always like that. And scored. The power yes, play too. Uh, he... um, yeah. Uh, and speaking of Arizona, they're down three to nothing already about halfway through the first period as we're recording this. So I'm not sure if that's going to entice people more or less to jump on Tampa, but just want to point that out. Uh, I have nothing else. I, you you grab the ice and thing. I was going to maybe mention if you had any interest in Hagel or Sorelli, but we could just keep it going. I'm not going to be playing them myself. So are you ready to get over to New Jersey and Carolina? 
Yep. Um, yeah, interesting. Another another back to back team with Carolina here. Um, yeah, yeah, they're they're just starting, so we truly have no we have no insight into sort of what uh, they're going to look like or what they're going to change. But Svechnikov didn't play Wednesday. Would probably assume that means he doesn't play on Thursday. Um, so let's see on the Carolina front, Bunting, Aho, Teravainen would expect that to remain uh, into Thursday. So that means that Michael Bunting is, you know, a decent value, 4,200. I, I don't know, though, if I just would rather play Nechas and his punty line mates instead. Like, it's not like Sebastian Ajo is going to play, like, 28 minutes. Um, and, like, Nechas has gotten a really good role, um, you know, since he's returned. And he's uh, 17 shooting. minutes in each of these games. And, yeah, he's shooting, scoring, you know, looks really dynamic for, for his price tag. So I'm kind of torn between whether I want to punt here or whether I want to sort of go in the mid-tier with Ajo and his line mates. Uh, any thoughts there? I mean, I honestly have no problem one-offing Nechos and not really overthinking it too much. Um, even with Nechos, as we were kind of discussing right now, like he had, you know, 18, 19 minutes back-to-back, you know, five, six shots on goal, multi-points, scored in both games. Like none of his linemates really came along for the ride. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you could – Definitely play one of them, but I don't know if you need to go all the way. Um, I do think that's a way that you're going to walk yourself into Edmonton one. And I think that's kind of getting into what's going to end up being pretty chalky on this slate. So that's probably my biggest hesitation. Are you at all interested in Burns or any anyone else to go along with it? Like, is there anything else you'd add to the mix outside of just whatever line mates end up sticking with Nate Charles? Because now I think about it, but this is even the line he had last game. Because um, out now, so they may have not even had the same line. This this is the same, same Minnesota, line. right? Uh, yeah, this 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 is what yeah. they had. Yeah, and Drury Nechas. So, um, you know, they certainly would not correlate with Burns. Like, you know, he's the power play one guy. He's also is very expensive now. Yeah, I don't. Huh? I mean, they've had Burns on the power play one is... for. Wait. Oh yeah, Nechas. Yeah, Nechas. Nechas power play one. It? I thought he, I thought he was. I that's kind of part of the point I was making there. He just gets more five on five run than both his line mates and isn't part of it. Okay, what do whatever you got to do. Um, okay, yeah, I don't know. I I, I could still talk myself in the nature, but it's feels a little bit thin. Um, but his price is cheap. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna have to really think about. Yeah, this I mean, one. this is this is interesting. Yeah, keep keep an eye on ownership. You know, if this is a sub five percent stack and you can play Edmonton with it, like I, I mean, that's you know that that's the jackpot right yeah. there. I think so because um, Drury is fine. We know Nason can go on runs. Um, he's been rather productive. Like for a sub three K guy, he's got a pretty decent game log. Um, and you know, obviously playing with Nachos should help. I, I I truly do think this is the second line in Carolina. Like you know, that the minutes are there and everything. So I do expect it to be pretty popular, but maybe the optimizers are just like, Oh, it's the fourth line, like blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it, it's possible that yeah. uh, it gets overlooked. So anyway, um, New Jersey uh, against the back-to-back Carolina team, uh, any interest in them chasing the uh, Tyler Toffoli hat trick and seven shot game from last time out. Uh, Jesper Bratt had 10 shots. Um, and is on a crazy run himself with 47 over his last 10. Uh, any interest in New Jersey here? I, I guess a little bit. Um, just I don't think they're going to be very popular. It's uh, it's Carolina, nevertheless. I'm a little bit discouraged by these lines in Carolina. Like I'm saying, it feels a little bit clunky. They can definitely give up goals in bunches. I mean, they're down to Spencer Martin, who wasn't there like a month ago, for a reason. It's not... You know, it's it's certainly not because everyone else is getting the job done. So if you we are seeing concentration of, you know, offensive role. Um, you know, we're also expecting lines will have to change. Michael McLeod isn't going to be there. Um, so he, he's one of those players we kind of mentioned that wouldn't be uh, with the team. With oh, and twelve foot. So he played twelve minutes. He really cares. Um, yeah, Defoley gets you know, moved kind of off the line with Nico Heeshear and Brat. Timo Mayer goes up. They originally had him off the first power play. That didn't last. He went back in for Bastion late in the game. So keep an eye on that front. Like 
it really kind of felt like a weird spot for that to get there. But uh, I, I definitely could get talked into this top line pretty easily. Um, and, and maybe Luke Hughes with it, maybe not. But Brat, Timo, Kishier, it's not mid-mid range. But as you're kind of showing up top here, like all of these guys are mm-hmm. producing shots. All of these guys, I guess a little bit minus Nico, but he's producing a lot of you know more dangerous chances uh, being the center. But yeah, I, I definitely am on board with it. And I definitely think it's going to be low owned. So I don't know if that means I'm going to yeah. have it. It might not make my, you know, be high enough up the board for me, but I think it's very sound. Yeah. There's, um, there's some reason to believe like via coach speak and whatnot, that Timo was just truly hurt to begin the season. Um, and, you know, he's shown it coming back from his injury. Um, he's leading the team in expected fantasy points. He's got one of the best marks on the entire slate. Uh, you know, he's only played four games in that stretch. So, you know, small samples, blah, blah, blah. Um, they, they can balance out, but this is a player who we know is good for rates and at 5,300, you know, to fully 5,700. Um, I, I don't hate the idea of saying, well, we know where the shots are going to come from in New Jersey. And we know that Carolina is liable to give up goals. So like, you know, the, just do the math. You can figure out, you know, uh, sort of how to make a decent mid range stack. Um, you know, I don't think I'm playing Nico myself. 6,200 is just way too expensive for who he is. Um, I don't think he has the upside I'm looking for, um, but I could easily see myself playing all three of Brad to fully Timo and just saying like, look, you know, this probably isn't the nuts, but like I can get one really good score and two supporting scores in the right game environment. So um, it remains to be seen how they deal with the loss of McLeod. I mean, they're literally looking at Heesher, Haula, and Chris Tierney as like their top centers uh, right now. So like, you know, Chris Tierney, yeah. oof. Um, Dawson Mercer probably slides to the middle. So he's a guy to keep an eye on because, you know, he uh, probably won't have a power play one job, but he's a good enough player i think to be considered in a in you know even strength stacks um but yeah just just a situation to keep an eye on uh, as we move forward here without jack hughes so let's get to dallas and anaheim um yeah anything to say about the <laughs> anaheim side did, did 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 you have the fortune of watching the buffalo sabers on espn plus last night i Still bleaching my eye sockets. Um, <laughs> just absolutely brutal. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. Henrik, I mean, I'm not even gonna say Henrik. Leo Carlson just feels like a guy that is this good. I'm not sure if that means he's this good for fantasy entirely yet, but like he is absolutely a play driver. Um, so whatever line he's on, I think it really does boost the players around them uh, to, a, to a pretty good degree. Now, this is a terrible matchup. Uh, it's not to say that you're, you know, you're sitting here looking at 5k Leo Carlson and saying, wait, are you saying that this is a generational talent I should be on right now? I think 5k is probably correct. Uh, and it's a tough matchup. Um, he did have the five shot bonus. I don't know if we've ever seen that from him. So might not be super, now we've seen it a couple of times, but not super repeatable, especially in a tougher matchup than Buffalo who isn't. Um, but guys like Troy Terry, etc. Um, I, I definitely find with Leo Carlson, that is quite a boost. I do think they'll continue to trouble through lines quite frequently. Um, McTavish seems to be somewhat back in good graces. Owen Zellweger, probably the guy we need to talk about most at the end of this. Um, they, you know, he only had 14 minutes, but was on the power play with McTavish, Carlson, Terry, um, and freaking Sam Carrick, who of course had to score. But again, there's there's definitely interesting pieces in and on Tampa in Anaheim to keep an eye on. Uh, Owen Zellweger probably being the most notable. In that 14, 13 minutes, really, he didn't even get close. He was 13 and a half. Hit the blocks bonus, had an assist, and had two shots on goal. So this is a prospect that has that pedigree and will continue to get more run uh, as time goes on. This is going to take some time. They put him out there with Labushkin, who stinks. So I'm kind of hoping we find him in a role with a Gudis or something and kind of open him up offensively and let Gudis yeah. kind of sit back there and do whatever he does. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to mention that. Uh, there's a couple more little notes, but I think I'll pause, let you take another Silverberg lap, a victory lap if you'd like, and, and then I'll just sort of finish up because a lot of new well, stuff on the Ducks. Yeah, let's um let's close out the conversation about Zellweger and that power play unit first, um, because I just 
I need to reiterate that like Olin Zellweger is an absolute dynamo stud. Like this is this is Brant Clark levels of like, oh yeah, you gotta keep an eye out. Yeah. And he's coming in at twenty five hundred. Um so let's see, where is it? I'm just going through. Uh, I mean, this honestly it reminds me of Josh Morris Day, like and 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 Noah Dobson, like going back even further. Like but going back to the beginning of the podcast, and we were like gleaning over these pro like prospects like young players Shea like, theodore we see what they've turned into this is Shea theodore an- another perfect example yeah. that's who this guy is so yeah now i've so, got that up i'll pause so this is a fun little chart that i had from the, the preseason and basically what i did here is um you know audio listeners it's in the discord you've seen it already um but basically when we look at uh the, the shot rates and sort of distancing them from the league average. So standard deviations outside the league average that helps sort of draw back these juniors players and sort of put them online with these guys playing professionally, you know, in, in La Liga and at the SHL and whatnot. Um, but kind of regard was an absolute stud, you know, but coming in, we knew this, he was going to be a shot monster. I wrote about it all on my, on my, you know, silly newsletter thing, but when I ran the numbers, I'm like, wait a second, like Connor Bedard's not standing out from his field. Like what the hell's going on here? And you look at this little WHL dot and obviously this far one's Connor Bedard. You know, he was just so outside the realm of normal. Olin Zellweger was a shade behind him in terms of his shot rate last year. And he's a defenseman. And, you know, he comes in, he has four shot attempts. Uh, he blocks three shots. I mean, he has 13 expected fantasy points, but puts up an actual, I think, 11.6 on the night. Um, like, I mean, he's an absolute player. Um, the, the minutes are going to be the main problem. You know, this is the classic conundrum of prospects and that, you know, you need to bet on the, the talent before you can bet on the role. Um, because, you know, this Anaheim team does not offer a ton of, like, uh, challenges to him growing into a role as far as the players in front of him, but the coaches, and that's sort of the, the, the problem. So um, he's a great play. The problem is, is that I think there's an even better play at the minimum salary on the Anaheim Ducks. And, you know, Jacob Silverberg finally got there for us. Um, I don't really know how many times I need to repeat myself, but like he is second on the team in shots per 60 he is playing on their number one power play. Like, I mean, they're using that unit more than the Zellweger unit, like in the Leo Carlson, McTavish, whatever. Um, like Silverberg is there. Uh, Silverberg was alongside Mason McTavish in this game. So like uh, Silverberg's, I think the best play uh, salary point per dollar on the entire slate. And, you know, I get it. It's really gross. He's a bit washed. He's kind of bad, but 2,500 is just, way too inexpensive for um for the role he has and, and you know i get the matchup's not good but you can play him as a one-off and be fine um you can play zellweger too um you know maybe don't play them together i'm not sure you need that um but you know it's it's at least possible that anaheim can get there all together anyway uh now that all this new shiny toys are set aside Let's talk about Wyatt Johnston because, hey, uh, that guy's pretty good, huh? Uh, any thoughts on Dallas? Moore? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. Like, uh, I don't understand what took so long to get here. It felt like, again, the beginning of the year, I'll go back even further. Last year, the stats around kind of comparing Wyatt Johnston five on five to Leon Dreisler five on five, kind of like the funny, like, huh, like, man, this Johnson guy could really play. And just isn't getting the role, and you know, dry settles for so much on the power play. Like, you know, it's funny to say that they're kind of equivalent. And you finally give this guy that role again. Think about Nikolai Ehlers, like, feels so similar, and he just flourishes because he's so incredibly gifted. And I'm not saying Pavelski is a slouch entirely, but like, just not as dynamic as a player anymore as I think Wyatt Johnson is becoming. So I think it really just boosts this line. I know they might give up a little more defensively, but that just kind of makes it even more interesting on the other side to like play a couple of minimum salary freaking plays. And it's not like you need to break the bank on Vetrano if you don't want to. So I'm still in on Dallas one. I do think of all of these six K ish, you know, mid range stacks, it'll be more popular than Ottawa, probably more popular than the Islanders, definitely more popular than the Devils. So you are playing into a bit of ownership, but I don't know how many people are going to overstack it, especially if, and I do expect me or Heisken to return. I don't think he'll be very popular at all. Um, Harley, if he doesn't return, don't think it'll be very popular at all as people try to get a schmeckle of Edmonton in their builds. So 
yeah, I, I'm still in on Dallas, but I'm a little bit skeptical that like this could actually be where I pivot away uh, just because of ownership considerations. But uh, do you yep. think they'll be all that chalky first off and uh, any other notes on Dallas one? I'm presuming that the Dallas one chalk comes in in full force. Um, you know, the, yeah, be cognizant though of this sort of thing because like yesterday, I mean, we we were like, yeah, Ottawa's going to be chalk and then guess what like it just didn't really materialize and part of that's because you had to split it between pinto and kachuk and even the second line was reasonable and i don't think we're running into that situation here but like montreal one was more owned than ottawa one and just like you know you think about it for one second you're like huh that's that's kind of silly right so maybe something like that happens here where just dallas falls through the cracks so just just keep your keep your head down make sure you're not missing anything um but my sense is that dallas will be very owned um so you know you can definitely still stack them i probably would not do it with say edmonton um but the johnston price tag is still way too low um he's really been one shot away from breaking multiple slates in the past couple of weeks uh sitting on four shots three times uh having multiple points three times in his last five games so like you know it's all there um he's he's clearly the guy i want to stack around but um you know that means hints robertson and presumably if Heiskanen misses, definitely Harley. I think that's a good different separator as far as ownership is concerned. Um, and if Heiskanen's in, I'll consider Miro, um, which is you know kind of a, uh, a peace offering at this point because of uh, just how much better Evan Bouchard is for fantasy. Oh, DJ wandered off the screen because I slandered Miro and just buried him so hard. Yeah, there you go. I, He's got a mirror. First opportunity to sound to, to, to sound the mirror alarm. The bells are ringing in the streets right now. Matt said he might play Miro Heiskanen. I wasn't gonna. You got come there. On. We're live on air, folks. Welcome, welcome back to the buzz. I'm gonna put this away though and shut my closet door really quick. So, uh, you want to take us into Nashville, Minnesota? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, Nashville, Minnesota, a lot less interesting things to talk about here, in all honesty. Um, so starting things off with the Minnesota front, uh, they did just beat the Capitals rather easily. So I would anticipate that Rossi, Kaprizov, and uh, Zuccarello remain intact. I would expect uh, Brock Faber to continue to score goals until he is 9,800. Um so, you know, just, just keep playing them 5,500, just, you know, back up the truck, dump all your money in the Brock Faber uh, bank is open and he is paying out in hard cash. Um, so yeah, I mean, just status quo for Minnesota. It's a good matchup. It's not a great matchup. So once again, Kaprizov will definitely be a very low owned high upside player on this slate. Um, but you know, it's, mm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hurting a little bit because I thought, oh, I'll play him on Tuesday. And he uh, put up one blocked shot. Thank you, Kirill, for your service. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, any interest yeah. in, like, the boldy Erickson Eck pairing or any interest in Nashville here? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it just comes down to am I as interested in these groups as I am others? Um, I definitely think it's Capri's off or nothing for me. Uh, just thinking about how he could break a slate comparatively to anyone else on this team. And it really doesn't come close. Um, so only Capri's off and his line mates, I think in this scenario, um, just because it's not like you're getting a big savings on still power play one line two, but like a big, a similar run in Erickson Eck and uh, boldly. So yeah, I think I'm going to probably end up sitting this one out on Minnesota. Um, but in general, this game is going to be very popular. The only player that, like, I mean, who's going to get the most ownership? Like, you think it is even Roman Yossi anymore? Has that well finally dried up of everyone playing Roman Yossi, or is it still living large? Um, I definitely think on this slate with the, the pricing, like, Yossi will not be uh, very owned. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Honestly, might be shooting a ton blocks. I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah, he might be the most open player. Yeah, it is interesting, but like Roman Yossi is the guy that double bonuses are just right there. He hasn't had a slate break. Like, yeah, 
he almost had a slight break breaker. Um, actually, it's funny. He had a goal and an assist, and he got out like he outscored himself the game before when he hit the blocks bonus. But he hasn't mm-hmm. had like a slate slate breaker breaker, but he's had over like 12 fantasy points in like six straight. And just again, I love getting a guy low owned um that's this good. And uh that's almost more interesting to me is going like Yossi Forsberg here. Uh like I think yeah, if I'm um, feeling really it's 8 p.m. So I'm probably not gonna be dead yet, but this. Uh, probably like probably second time um, I almost knocked I almost knocked this over. Uh, all right, so yeah, and I will recant that UC Staros is probably going to be the most owned player uh, on in this game because he's 7,400, uh, and yeah. I don't think the money line will be crazy in favor of Minnesota. So that's you know, well, the field will probably go, uh, to save some money and jam in these high end pieces anyway. Um, yeah, Nashville is moderately interesting. Um, we just don't get very good reporting out of them. So it's really tough to say with anything for certain. Um, but Tyson Berry was a scratch last game. That would mean that Ryan McDonough should be power play too. Um, he's cheap enough. He obviously can hit a blocks bonus at any time. Um, you know, I don't hate the idea of like, you know, like, oh, while everyone's punting to just try and fit in Edmonton, well, why not punt with these guys? You know, McDonough's a good player. Tomasino's a good player. Like, are, is the role for them there? Not always. And that's, you know, that's why they won't be ridiculously owned, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's certainly gross. Uh, Gurionov is getting power play two run, I guess. So 3,200 for him. Yeah. You know, I guess it's not the stupidest thing if you go into battle with. Gurionov and McDonough here. So there's a cheap stack. Otherwise, if you're spending up, I think I prefer Minnesota to Nashville, um, but we can move on to Columbus, Calgary. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it kind of feels like we just creating. No, wait. No, never mind. I was going to say we're creating places, but the Flames didn't play Chicago last late. The they did Edmonton not. played Columbus. I think. Okay. No, yeah. I would I would think it'd be traded to Alberta matchups. That's untrue. Uh, yeah. I mean, Flames should be somewhat popular as well because they could remain very cheap. Um, you know, Nazem Kadri, 6,100 is the most expensive forward. Everyone else still priced down a, a pretty good bit. And like the correlations are a little bit funky. Coronado didn't quite get there. The role continued at, at about that 15 minute mark. He had three shots on net, uh, 2,800 to go along with Kadri. And that, I believe, stayed. So again, like there's some pieces here that I think you get excited about some options that might be worth looking into. And I do think that comparatively to Dallas Edmonton, Calgary Edmonton will be a little bit less owned. Um, and there's more options of playing it as well. So you don't have to stick to a top line. You could really go all three lines and I could probably convince myself that there's at least an option there. I don't think I'm getting to play Coleman personally, but I mean, the guy is leading the team in goals and assists and people have played him in the past. But again, I don't think I'm going that way. I'm playing a 5,400 Blake Coleman. I think I'd rather throw myself into the snowbanks of Buffalo. But yeah, I, I definitely think there's plenty of options here and none of it's going to be incredibly chalk fast playing with Edmonton. Maybe Lindholm line, but I'm not even sure on that. Yeah, and if it is chalky for Calgary, um, this is surprising. Uh like Calgary's matchup does not look good at all, um, which kind of sounds weird because like Kadri's been pretty productive. Um, you know, uh, Sharon Govich is going nuts. Like all there's guys across multiple lines that seem like they are like in play and multiple defensemen. And the only reason that I guess this matchup looks good is if you only care about goals and, you know, yeah, maybe Elvis is just broken forever. And, you know, on this podcast, we just try not to worry about goalies too much, though. And so looking at the other side of the matchup, Columbus is like a plus matchup, which, again, just kind of weird. Um, so the thing with Columbus is that there is a ton of value here, even with Zach Renski back. Like, I think Bogfist is very much in play. Um, he's turning into a top pair defenseman, and he has 30, uh, let's see, he has 30, uh, 300, so down 200 from last game. Um, Ferankov is popping out, and we know that Johnny Gaudreau is, you know, perennially in play because he has upside, he has very little floor, but do revenge, DJ. Uh, how about, uh, how about that narrative? Uh, for you? 
I forgot about that one. All right. So there's two huge narratives, obviously. And I just, I'm going to turn in my badge. You're right. I, you forgot about one. I forgot about the other. The narrative exists um, with Gaudreau as well at five on five with Sillinger and Chinikov. They practiced today. I don't remember seeing lines exactly. That's yeah. stuck, right? Because I, I could be convinced um, that was all power play correlated with Bokvist. Of course, that could change uh, with Rensky returning to the fold. Um, but again, change. I mean, th- that that is a very interesting. Yeah, that will change. But th- I, I do think that top line is, I mean, I think Chinikov can, can absolutely play. Um, so I, I am I am actually a bit intrigued by the idea of if I'm playing Edmonton, if like that's a condition of my lineup, going with the Blue Jackets might not be actually the dumbest idea in the world. Yeah, um, I don't know that I want to spend the prices on Sillinger and uh, uh, Chinikov myself, but, um, you know, I don't know. It, it certainly makes sense to capture the Goudreau stuff. I do think Goudreau-Burensky is a fine mini. Um, I imagine they'll be correlated and, you know, again, it's unlikely to hit because Johnny Goudreau is just perennially a low floor player, but he does have upside for 4,300 and it's a great slate to say, look, I need some cheaper end options to play the high end dudes. So, you know, Gaudreau's in play. I think Kent Johnson's in play. Um, I mentioned Voronkov having really strong rates over the last stretch. Like he hit a blocks bonus and scored in Edmonton. He didn't get the minutes, but guess what? This team's losing. They need to figure out something. So they, they could wind up deploying that line more. Uh, Voronkov with uh, Marchenko and uh uh, Ken Johnson. So um, that's yeah, sort of what I'm leading. Yeah, I just totally spaced. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of interested in Columbus here as just like a look, uh, just playing everyone in the late slate and hoping to get paid out. So, um, final game of the night. Yeah, uh, let's just do it. Chicago back to back at Edmonton. Um, okay. I, yeah, well. Hi, Seidel. Whoa. Dujan Hopkins. Ooh. Vander Kane. Ah. Evan Bouchard. Okay. That's the Morning Skate Podcast. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Enjoy your chalk. <laughs> Hoover it up. There's absolutely nothing to say here. Uh, we have nothing creative, nothing novel, nothing unique. Um, but. Yeah, uh, Edmonton is gunning for 15 straight wins, and Chicago is not. So let's get to top six guarantee goals. There's really no news here to report. What's on, wrong? So. What's wrong with What's wrong with Chicago? Okay, yeah, uh, Chicago. Everything's going exactly as yeah, planned, um, except for the fact that their child king got hurt. But they're you know they're losing like they want. You know, I, I can I can I just can I throw one name out there before we before we just completely get, please please uh, do just you know what I'm gonna throw two names out there. I'm gonna number one. Uh, is there any part of you that looks at Alex Vlasic and this role and says, "Rates be damned"? Actually, he's thirty six hundred. Okay, never mind. Um, the only the only thing I I <laughs> I thought he'd be like minimum salary. Holy crap! Nick Foligno returned and did actually have a monster game. Like. I don't think I'm yep. doing it at 3,800 or in any capacity, but like the guy had nine shot attempts, seven on net. Like, and again, we're just in the same boat of like, this guy's playing so freaking much like him, Reddish and Kurashev. And at some point, like they could actually be an option. It's probably not here against Edmonton. Okay. Top sex guarantee goals. You have to eat dinner. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally not trying to rush. Like I just genuinely don't think there's anything interesting to say here. Um, no. Like, just play Edmonton if you yeah, can. Like there you go. I, I solved it. Uh, yeah, Corey they, Perry they, they're play, the best so like, on the slate. Yeah, yeah. I, I would not expect Corey Perry to play either. So like you know, um, he might come in when they lose the game, but which might be never. So there you go. All right. Uh, my first stack of the night. Did you did you have one in mind? Yeah. Um. Of course, barring injury, uh, Horvat, Lee, Barzal, Dobson. Uh, the whole thing for me. Okay. Um, trying to remember if Lee paid, played power play one, and I closed that out. But he did know, not. You don't want all, it was still. I don't think. Yeah, I didn't think he did. Yeah. So Lee, Lee could come out in theory, but I do think if that that's what you needed, uh, you know, forty one hundred Andres Lee could be involved. Yep. 
All right. Um, I'm going to go back to the Ottawa pain. Well, um, you know, the, the fuel was all over last time. Um, he scored for everyone. So I'm just going to be an idiot and go back to the Jake Chikrin pain station, play Josh Norris with it and Brady Kachuk because you know, uh, our stochastic friends just continually shit on Josh Norris. And I just, I I just don't think it's warranted. Like, you know, we're playing fantasy and, uh, he's a very good fantasy player. So, um, you know, you maybe don't need to be that creative. You can just play out of a one plus Anderson, but honestly, I have no interest in playing Claude Giroux. Um, and I think that Norris and Chikrin are just the exact sort of guys that I want to bet on at super low ownership where like they could easily, either one of them could score a hat trick and it's not a shock. You know, it's just one of those things where like the matchup people are going to overlook it, but like, you know, um, Boston's not been playing great. I think the top line goes against the top line here and the top line for Boston's not been playing great. Um, and Chikrin's with Chabot and like Chikrin is setting up for one timers and everything. And just, it's not happening. I don't know why, but it will, because this is Jake Chikrin. We're talking about like a really, really good fantasy defenseman. So I'm just betting on Ottawa and uh, hoping, 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 praying that I don't get punished for it. Well, I hope and wish you all the best. Um, I will, you know, I, I think I'm just going to say like, you really can't play these two together, but I'm just going to do it. Um, I, I think I'm going to go with the Timo Brat, uh, Luke Hughes situation that we talked about and they're subject to change, of course. So keep an eye on what the lines end up being tomorrow. And I mean, they definitely could change. Um, I mean, they're, they're definitely not going to be the same as they were last game, as I mentioned. So do keep an eye on that, but I'm going to, I'm going to roll that for now. Okay. Um, I'll do Jack Jury uh, with Nechas and Nason on the other side of that game. Um, I, I do think that is my preferred way to punt here. Um, so again, keep an eye on ownership. I, I don't know, you know, whether the projection systems will pick up on Nechas and drag his line mates to the top with him, or whether they'll see that they're all technically fourth liners and drag them all down as a result. So um, just just know that. I think it's a really good matchup. I think Natchez is an outstanding player who's come back and is absolutely rolling. Um, and those line mates are really not that bad. And that's about all you can ask for with this Carolina team at their current prices. So um, guarantee goals. I got my two completely ready to go. Okay. Hit me with them. Are you ready? Krill Caprizov, Matt Coronado. Ooh. So yeah, you hear me? There you go. I see. Bye-bye, okay. everybody. All right. Um, I'm going to take Wyatt Johnston, 4,500. You know, yay, everyone. He did it. He picked a good player um, at a good price. Okay. Um, for my 6,500 piece, let's go with... Well, we know that Charlie Coyle on the slander list is going to score, but uh, I will go with... You picked Kaprizov. I won't take Boldy then. Let's go with Evander Kane. I don't know. He's really good. So, um, and he will shoot. So there you go. Call. Congratulations to me on my two yeah, guaranteed goals. Congratulations they, to you on your. They did goal. have a. They had a few shifts there, especially end of periods that were Kane, Drysital, and McDavid. I'm not sure if you noticed that as <laughs> well. Uh, but it yeah. kind of seemed like at the, at the end of the first, I definitely noticed it. And then like midway through the second, at one point, uh, I was like, I like this. Keep, keep doing this. Then when they were struggling, I'm like, yeah. this might work. So I, I like that. Yeah the, yeah. the team really likes Evander Kane. Like, you know, obviously Pyman's been unbelievable this season, but like, it's not like he's out of their plans. So yeah, I mean, just the pricing and the, the rates and whatnot. I, I just really like Evander here at a good price. All right. Uh, That'll do it. Uh, make sure uh, you sign up for DraftKings. If you're someone listening to the first time, don't have an account, uh, code THPN uh, here on your screen in the top right. Uh, you will get uh, you'll get free money when you deposit and make a bet there. So thank you to them for sponsoring us. Um, DJ, anything else? Uh, follow He's me saluted. or don't do whatever you oh, want. Okay. Uh, like, like, subscribe, review. We'll be back. Yes, we will. Uh, actually, not for a bit, though, because next week is pretty terrible. Um, it's like three games a night for the next week. So uh, we'll probably be back uh, 
in a couple of weeks. We'll see if Saturday makes sense to do anything. But um, yeah, just, just be on the lookout because the schedule does lighten up a bit as we head into the NHL All-Star break and as we get ready for the NBA All-Star break. So um, DJ is ready to, I think, play some baseball or something. And I am ready to go eat some <laughs> dinner. So let's get out of here. Um, from Doug, from DJ, from myself, have you sleep, everybody, and we will see ya. Thank you.